Yorana tato, alamakako. You are listening to Native Stories. Native Stories exists to share the voices of those connected to the land. Our vision is creating a resource-free pilina, connection to place, and Native Stories aims to activate indigenous perspectives. Over here, we learn about Note Ahupua Waya Wahumayao, Inohuneao i Afretu Moorea. My name is Vehia Wheeler. I am from Waiau Oahu, and I am now residing in Afretu Moorea Te Aumohi. Today, my guest is Noi Rongi Te Ave, who I've come to know from mutual friends. She's from Rapa Nui and works as a tour guide, and also is the founder and co founder of the first Rapa Nui Kaba Bar on the island. Kava drinking was originally practiced in Rapa Nui, but over the years stopped being practiced, and now Noi Rangi is bringing it back. And she also has a very interesting life and story to tell us, so we're excited to hear about it here on Native Stories today. Yorana koe Noi Rangi. Yorana vehia. Yorana korua tatoa. Mai Rapa Nui. He arohau kia korua. Mai te moturikiriki nei. Me hemotu puai, penua o te tatoutupuna, penua o te otmoai, otmatou haka ararapanui. Yorana, my name is Noe Rangi Teave. All my friends call me Noe. And I say hello to all the Maohi people in the Pacific and the whole world. Yeah, Yorana, thanks so much for being here with us on Native Stories. Thank you for inviting me because um, to being in the most isolated island in the world and in our in our group of between the group of islands, it's uh, well, it's very pleased. I feel very very pleased to being invited and to join oh. you in these uh, interviews and to share with you, to make to be able to share with you a little bit about our culture and life. Yeah, um, well, uh, that's a great way to start, actually. Would you like to tell us more about yourself, um, your connection to Rapa Nui and your connection to Oceania and maybe Hawaii that you've shared with me? Okay, well, I belong to a family, the Teaves family. Uh, we were here and my ancestors arrived more than a thousand years ago. We preserve our lineage name that it's Teave, that is one of the very, very old um, lineage names, not just in Rapanui as well in Hawaii, for example, that we found the Teaves family that we are absolutely connected, for example. Independent that the migrations were in different moments in the history, but we are still connected. Just they change uh, one letter in 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 the original sound of the lineage name. That Teave means exactly the same than Keave, for example. My family mm-hmm. were were involved during decades, or actually from the beginning of the 20th century, in the fighting for our rights to recover our sovereignty, working in traditional cultural politics here in the island, that it's something that I learned from them, the respect, the traditions, and the value to, to value our, 
to Puna's um, knowledge and everything about our island and our people. Today I work as a as a tourist guide, but but well, as as you know, um, what is happening all over the world, the COVID nineteen uh, pandemia pandemic that affects all of us, and here in the island affects us uh, a lot because tourism it's the most important um, economical activity in the island. That it until now it's absolutely stopped. We don't have um, planes coming, no visitors, nothing yet until exists a vaccine or something like that, that make us feel a bit more safe. Because fortunately in the mm -hmm. island, we are absolutely COVID free. That it's mm -hmm. good for us, but make us in that way more vulnerable. But as a guide today, I'm working with a group of uh, 20 other people who works as guides as well in a project, in different projects to create a different view and activities in relation to support the tourism in a new, in a new global situation. As for example, creating um, um, a kinds of, uh, of virtual tours, webinars, art, uh, develop uh, projects, working with uh, with the children's here um bringing our people the community people to visit the different archaeological sites um and things like that for example on the way to improve tourism but today not just as something for the visitors but as well today as something for the community as well yeah. uh, i have open and bring back a very important tradition over the Pacific that it's the use of kava. I have the first and the unique until now kava bar in the island. On the way to recover this um, this use and cultural purpose of the kava, a part of being of course something more um, related with recreation and things like that. Mm. Yeah, that sounds so great. Um, as you were saying, the yes, we know throughout the Pacific and the world that COVID has definitely affected us, especially as we are islands heavily reliant on tourism. But it's interesting to hear about the way that you guys are creating projects for your community and maybe for visitors, you know, throughout. Yes, exactly, because most of the times of that, that is something that probably happened as well in many other islands that are supported economically by tourism, that during decades, uh, tourism activities were always focused to the visitors but never necessarily includes the community, except for the people that directly work in that as guides, for example, or artisans, or people who are directly involved in uh, cultural expressions as dancing and things like that. And today we change all this uh, paradigm on the way to include the people, 
make them involved in this and make them the way to provoke into them to create the conscious that they are we are all of us involved tourism is more than just take your visitors and going to a site and talk about or provide them or give them the information the specific information about the sites it's also related with the people with our whole community and so do you um when you're doing a tour guide what are the or your projects with the community what are the stories that you like to highlight and share with uh, people that you think are the most important about knowing about Rapa Nui okay well I um, come back to the island to live in the island about five years ago after been living many years outside first I left the island when I was about between 16 to 17 to continue my studies after high school to join the university and study you know there then well i stay living in chile i've been uh, studying living working there for many years then i've been living in spain as well where i've been living and study as well then come back five years ago because of uh, personal reasons, but finally where I think one of the best decisions I ever done. Because from the moment I left the island when I was very young to continue studying, I never come back to live here. But I always uh, dream to come back and may improve and help in something related with the development of uh, my community in politics or culture or many other things. Finally, um, independent of the career I have studied and how I get prepared with different studies, I decide to don't be dedicated on that way and work in something completely different that it's related with tourism as a tourist guide because I love to work with people and that's something that makes me feel very proud. It's to be an interpreter of our culture and our history on the way to give the people the best experience and a very strong point of view to share with the people and strong and, and very um, proud point of view of our history and uh, as a Rapanui, you know, with a different point of view. Then, over the time, I, I had the idea to introduce the Kava with my boyfriend that he was living in different islands of the Pacific. He's French, he born in Tahiti, and then he's been living in New Caledonia and Vanuatu as well where he knows about the kava, how was the use of kava over there. I always knew about the existence of kava, but the kava was um, a product that we lost over the time. As uh, happened with many different plants in our island, they get, the kava get extinct as many others. And then the people 
um, forgot for complete the use of this uh, so important plant in our traditions. But something that we kept were the kava and the word kava in many different language concepts in our language that were related with the use of the kava and the effects that the kava produce. But actually it's a very um, interesting pursuit uh, to recover because it's that show that the kava were used by our ancestors independent that finally the, the plant disappeared in the island. And then with this uh, project, more than just uh, a small business, as well have a cultural background, that it's to bring something that we're part of our culture, to reintroduce the use of that with all the positive effects that the kava have, more than just the cultural stuff. And we are, me and my, and my partner, on that way, we, we open our bar in January this year. But with the pandemic uh, situation, we close our, our Kavava for many, many months. And we had opened about uh, 10 days ago already. And we are in the process to introduce the Kava to the people, to let them know what it is, uh, to share with them the experience and all the beautiful effects that the Kava may bring us. Mm. Yeah, that's beautiful. Can you share with um, our listeners the the history of kava in your island and when it would be used, uh, for example, ceremonial purposes or casual purposes, and then um, it, its positive effects that you you've spoken a little bit about. As Probably the use of kava in our island were very similar than, than the other motus, like uh, something with a ceremonial purposes, with a lot of respect, used on the way to prepare the people for very special traditional meetings, as uh, with a sacred purpose. And then as well, of course, the effects that the kava produce are massive, relax effect, how that affects your emotions, your spiritual healing as well. That now, for example, something that science show us that, for example, how Kava helps um, to the people who are, um, or don't want, for example, to consume drugs or alcohol anymore, and how that that helps, for example, the people in that process. The kava, a part of the traditional purposes today, as well, I, I think is a good um, substitute to many other systems that the people use that not necessarily are positive to our people, to our as a social thing, as a cultural thing, as for example happened with drugs and alcohol. That here and as probably happened in many different places in the world that there are, you know, modern issues. Yes, yes, exactly. 
And so do you find that the local population has been open to Kava, that they've been receptive to this and uh, they want to learn about this or that they know maybe already about it? Yes, what, uh, what I do is uh, to promote Kava and I have a, an, an Instagram page and as well, you know, with the people directly talking about the Cava, about the different effects, about the history of the Cava over the Pacific as well, how were used during the last more than 5,000 years in the whole triangle, for example, that makes the people here in the island, makes them, you know, very surprised because they haven't heard about Cava probably during the last 200 years or more, except for the words <sighs> that we found in our language that are still there. For example, how we call some, we make a difference between the water that you may drink, that we call vai mangaro, that mangaro means that it's something very soft when you drink. And we call, for example, the, uh, the sea water by cava. And it's because of the, what you feel when you drink it that it's um, not not bitter, but not nice when you drink it. That is, you know, something that unfortunately the Kava have, that it's not the best taste in the world, you know? But for example, words like that, or how we call the, um, the smell of uh, some areas in the body as Kava, because the Kava, when you put some liquid on part of, your in a surface, a small surface of your skin, for example, the smell is very similar to the smell of a body. Uh, or kavahaha, that means when you have your throat or you feel your throat dry, you know, like a, when you drink kava, you feel the effects that they get like uh, it works like a very soft uh, anesthetic in your throat. Well, that um, sensation or what someone feel when you, they, you, you drink or before that, we call that kavahaha. And then the word is present. You know, our ancestors never, never forgot the word and the concepts related with the kava, but they forgot the plant and they forgot the use until I re reintroduced that about a year ago. And it's working very oh, good. That's so wonderful. The people, yeah. The people little by little are, you know, know about the Kava. They became little by little more and more fans because of the very nice effect. But it's, Something that I note, it's how women's, Rapa Nui women's are more agree to try, for example, than men's. Mm -hmm. That's, you know, that surprised me a lot. How women's are more open to, to, to try the kava and after try to come back and, you know, keep drinking, you know, a couple of times per week. It's incredible, but women's were absolutely wide open to try it, 
to accept and introduce the Kava as something, as a common product to use, you know, more than once a week than men's. Mm. Yes, that's... And that, that was something that surprised me a lot. Yes, that's very interesting. But it's it's good that you guys are there and, and having these conversations with people and uh, reviving this cultural uh, aspect of your culture. Even if uh, maybe the men are not used to it right now, maybe next year, two years from now, it'll be everywhere, you know? Yes, absolutely, because it's something new and like, uh like people don't know about it too much or you know deeply uh, became more more difficult but i think it's just a thing of time over the time the people will accept will try and finally experiment the effects of the kava yeah and actually um i just want to speak a little bit about kava here in tahiti that we we also do not practice it um, in ceremonial purposes, other than very few people do. And so it is actually illegal by French law to drink it. I know. Yeah. And so um, even if people like Rapa Nui people are coming here, they're not necessarily. Yeah. It have, fortunately, in Chile, cava is legal because. Um, during many years, a uh, drugstore, a Chilean drugstore, um, brings many products from uh, GNC that they um, they sell cava uh, in couples, you know, as a um, as a supplement, and then in that way, cava is considered legal in Chile because the um, our FDA, or Chilean FDA, um, accept all the um, chemical facts of the cava and do not consider the cava as a drug as, uh, or something like, or something, you know, not good for the body or whatever has happened in many other places because I know France have a regulation that they don't accept the use of cava because they consider her almost as a drug. And um, and it happened in many other countries in Europe too. Uh, but fortunately, like in the United States, it's considered illegal. And as a alimentary, uh, as a food supplement in Chile, they accept that regulation and allowed to uh, um, to serve and sell cava in the country and like we are under the Chilean regulations it's um, absolutely allowed here well that's good and it should be um, for and I think it should be in Tahiti for our own selves and for our own culture and that we should be able to do our cultural practices and so can you tell us a little bit more about your projects that you do with the community with children in Rapa Nui and any um, stories that you guys put in, uh, in value? As I told you before, I'm working in um, with a group of guides, tourism guides, that we are 
most of us Rapa Nui, there are a few who are not, who are Chileans who've been living here and they are married with Rapa Nui people or living here for more than 20 years, who are involved in tourism as me. And because of the pandemic situation, we develop different um, kinds of projects to work with the community. And one of the, uh, one of our best clients today, but not as clients, as uh, people that participate with us, are the children in our community. During many, many months, the schools were closed. And what we have done were create different uh, modules of, uh, to teach the children about different things related with our cultures, bring them to the different archaeological sites, for example, talks about archaeological, anthropological topics, but on the way that um, make history and all these uh, scientifical and historical stuff more um, well easier for them to understand. We try to involve them in the things related with tourism on the way to give them a different point of view to make them understand how they are part of all this cultural industry too to learn them about different things that were happening in the island, a part of just the activity of uh, tour agencies, bring them to farms uh, and to show how the farmers work and how they were, for example, develop uh, different products like uh, using different fruits or how they introduce uh, traditional um, agriculture with new techniques, and things like that, or how, uh, how, for example, the honey and bees culture get introduced in the island, how important it is, and in that way creating, you know, we're still trying to find different, um, different ways to keep the people, the community, and children connect with our culture. One, uh, something that it was very interesting that we have done were, for example, to recover information from different artists, different uh, singers, musicians, who were not exactly the most famous or the ones who have, you know, who are in, with, who have CDs or who uh, have produced uh, many things, but who are people who finally are alive treasures of our culture. We introduce these people into our, for example, um, excursions to talk a little bit with them, to give them the opportunity uh, to, to talk with the children, to learn them, you know, something, um, to share, you know, with people that, uh, for example, musicians who were in some way not not lost but forgot or high during many years because they were not necessarily the most famous, for example, but doesn't mean that they were not interesting or they didn't have you know something important to to give 
uh, or to share with us. We are still on the way to found different ways to continue with this, uh, with all this work, because independent of the, the COVID situation in the island, no tourism, we need to found all the ways to survive with this activity, but also to, to keep the moral and the spirit of the people and the children's high, you know? Not just uh, related with uh, just go on the beach or play, as well to improve on them ideas, improve on the way they respect the culture and the way that how they respect the people, how they uh, they make recover the value to the people, you know, as a community and not just as an attraction. Mm. Yes, yes. I totally see what you're saying. And in terms of uh, forming an identity that they understand, that they can be proud of, that they can share with themselves and their families, yeah, it's super important. And um, for example, any of these archeological sites, can you tell us about any of them? For example, the history of the Moai on your island, because um, those are things that are a big part of your history and as I've been there they're found quite uh, quite a bit around the island and so uh, could you share some history about any Moai or any archaeological sites that you think would be interesting to our listeners? Well in the island we have today well in the world exist about a thousand forty five Moais just in the island, we have about 1,030. More than 28,000 archeological sites. That means, you know, very large extensions of uh, archeological remains. Beautiful ajos, incredible moais. Just figure out how the larger moai ever carved, that it's still, well, were left unfinished, but it's in the Moai Quarry in Danoraraku have more than 20 meters long, more than 160 tons of weight. We, to me, more than just the Moai is the meaning what they have. The Moais, the Moai represent an ancestor. In this case, could be a man or a woman. The, mo the ahu, the different ceremonial platforms, are located all over the island, more than 400 of them, some of them with moais and some others without. But the moai that we found on the different areas over the island, they are all of them connected with us. Traditionally, the island were divided in different territories that used to belong to different uh, tribal or lineage clans. Today, the Rapanois that we uh, exist today in the world, that we are not more than 4,000 Rapanois, we all of us descend from one of these clans. And then what we found on the different archeological sites as the platforms and the different Moais, they are directly connected 
with our present history. In which way? Traditionally, the Moai represents an important person from one specific territory where we found the platform or ahu that support them. There were important men or women from that specific clan. Today, we may identify the different families that originally belongs to those territories. And that means that the people that exist today, they are descenders, um, descendants of those specific people who were represented on those statues. And then our connection, it's with the past, is present, is today. We are directly connected with the archaeological sites. We are directly connected with the Moai. There are many, many things that we lost over the time with the almost extinction of our people at the end of, between the end of the 19th century to the beginning of the 20th century, when there were just 200 survivors from the ones that all the Rapanuis that we exist today with sent from them. And in that way, our connection with the sites, our connections, our connection with the statues is something real, alive, and present today. We may identify where we belong. We may identify where all the people belongs. We still respect the spirits and aquacus who, who are the um, protectors of the different territories. We talk about it. We dream with them. And it's something that is collective that we share between all of us, independent that we belong to different families. We may talk about it, we respect that, and that is something that, independent that all the things that we lost over the time, we something that we try to preserve is our identity related with that connection. A connection that thanks to our ancestors, our closer ancestors as our um, grandparents, great-grandparents or great-great-grandparents that were strong enough to preserve all this knowledge, independent that all the things that were they had experienced, like for example, to get adapted to a new culture, to a new language, new religion. They preserve all this knowledge in private, inside of them, inside the houses, our language, our beliefs, the name of our of our spirits, and things like that, and then pass all that over generations, or at least is what I ha uh, what I live in my family, what I learned from them, from my grandfather, from my great grandmother, and how I learned all the history that were related with my family, and how they learned me as well the history of the other families on the way to know who I were inside the society, but as well on the way to understand how to respect the others. And that is something that today I, I feel that there are, there's a lot of people who are in that way. We, we feel so proud and so strong about who we are, how connected with our land and our sites we are, 
that is what we trespass or try to trespass every day to younger generations with the music, with the visit, uh, visits to the different sites, talking about the, the culture, talking between the women, sharing with Kava, doing, you know, many things on the way to preserve our identity, to preserve the strongness over the time that is what finally make us Rapa Nui, make yes. us Maohi. So that's a great way to look at our identity and our responsibilities and what we want to see for our communities. Well, uh, thank you so much. Mahalo Nui for sharing your story with us here at Native Stories. We'll just end it at that since it's such a positive last um, thought. And to all our listeners out there, if you all want to further connect with us, please follow us on Facebook, search Native Stories for daily updates on Native Kaimea or things. Please download our mobile app and listen to us on all streaming podcasts, outlets, just search Native Stories. And make sure to share us with your ohana, hoopili, friends or lovers, and whoever you'd like. Native Stories prides ourselves in being your resource of truth-telling and indigenous knowledge. And the more you share, the more people will know and be informed. So again, thank you, Anna, for sharing. And we're sending plenty of aloha to you all out there. Mahalo for tuning in.